Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to AusBiz, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. We kick off the afternoon, Eastern Daylight Time, as we always do with the call. One hour to look at 10 stocks, which you suggest. We uh, put those stocks to two experts uh, on the panel and they give their view of them and we do it all in 60 minutes. And uh, great to have Gaurav Sodi from uh, Intelligent Investor with us. Gaurav, good to see you. Good to be there. How's your week been going? Fantastic. Couldn't ask for better, actually. Good. Um, market's up, and, and that's market's pretty much up. the end of the story. Uh, so you're loving the market's up? <laughs> I'm enjoying it, but I'm getting a little nervous. I must say, I'm getting a little bit nervous about this, um, the small cap tech sector. I'm oh. hearing anecdotal stories of um, retail investors really engaging in the beginnings of a mania. Right. And that has me a little concerned. Um, but I think as long as you can sort of recognise that and steer away from it, um, right. there's still plenty of opportunities. Okay. All right. We, we might pursue that throughout the, uh, mm. throughout the next hour. Uh, Carl Kapalinga from uh, Think Markets is with us from WA. Carl, how's your week been? Welcome. Yeah, good afternoon, David. No, good week. Busy week, as always, over here at Think Markets. Lots going on. Um, yep. Very interesting market at the moment. Um, with Gaurav quite positive overall. A few nerves here and there, but um, I think if you can, can look past some of these short-term jitters, I think there's uh, plenty of upside around. Yeah. Uh, um, do you have a sort of I'm old enough to have gone through the dot-com boom <laughs> and things like that? Uh, uh, I must admit, I have been a little concerned the, about that with the, the tech side of it at the moment. Do you reckon it's uh, Carl getting to that dot-com mania or? The, uh, the companies are a bit better set up these t- this time around? Oh, look, I mean, it's, I, I, to be honest, I, I, was, I was there in the, in the trenches in the initial dot-com as well. I was in my early 20s and uh, young and crazy, you know, but made a lot of money and then gave it all back. So it's certainly a, a veteran of, <laughs> of that, that one. Um, but no, so I, I can see some parallels between that. I, I was out with some trading buddies uh, last evening for dinner, and uh, they're feeling it as well. Certainly, the talk in you know various chat rooms, the Twitterverse, that it, we're starting to get back to that fever pitch where uh, you know people who who don't have a lot of experience in the markets are, are coming into the markets, yeah. and uh, you know us old hands know it's all going to end horribly at some stage. Yeah. But I, I I don't think you can you can prevent that uh, prevent let that prevent you from acting in the market. I think you you need to say well, you know we we know when markets. Um, get like this, there's fantastic upside as well. Yeah. Um, so I think you, you still need Absolutely. to participate, but you need, you need to do it sensibly. And and Gaurav, I wish I was in my 20s during the dot-com boom, <laughs> I wasn't. But uh, um, uh, I remember companies like, remember the old E-Corp, E-Corp. Uh, yep. back then? Yep. And it had, I think it had virtually no revenues and at one stage had a market cap equivalent of Woolworths. And there was a whole lot of them as well. Yes. It was just a one-off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does remind me a lot of that. I mean, the, the quality of the businesses is better. Yes. We're not talking about... Yeah, um, I agree with that, yeah. A, a, a lousy business like eCorp. 
But the mania and the valuations, they're yeah, kind yeah. of reminiscent, aren't yeah. they? When, when you start getting 50 times uh, earner, uh, revenue, revenue, yeah. revenue <laughs> rather than earnings, you go, huh? Revenue. Well, when you stop looking at earnings and just only look at revenue as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It all comes back to basic business principles and investment mm. principles. You've got to make a profit at some stage. Um, before we get into your 10 stocks, um, I thought we'd, uh, we always do a stock of the day, um, something that's been in the news. But uh, this one is a little different. Yes, it's been in the news. Oz Minerals has lifted its gold production guidance and lowered its cash cost guidance for 2020. Uh, total gold production guidance has been increased to between 242,259 ounces. Um, uh, and on its prominent hill operation, the revised guidance comes as the miner said both copper and gold production fell slightly in June. Um, not only is it in the news, but in the straw man classic, the sort of um, fantasy investing sort of portfolio competition that we have here in conjunction with straw man on Ausbiz, um, Carl and Think Markets, uh, a support here, and Carl's doing his only portfolio, his own portfolio, as part of the competition. He can't win it, but it's you know uh, an interesting thing to follow. And Carl's gone overboard on Oz Minerals. Carl, why? <laughs> why Oz Minerals? Uh, I wouldn't say it was overboard. It's a standard portfolio position for me. So I've, I've divvied up. You get a hundred grand of play money, and I've, I've divvided it up into about uh, twelve or thirteen stocks. And right. it, you've got, so you've got, got a spot 6 in there. in Oz Minerals. Yeah, got it. Got a spot in there um, yesterday on the basis of I was expecting a pretty good report today, and also uh, I've been looking to get into a, a, a copper play and a copper and gold play, I should say. So we don't have a lot of um, copper producers uh, locally outside of BHP and Rio. Um, this one's, you know, it's a pure. It's more of a pure play. It's highly leveraged. I'm pretty bullish on gold as well. Um, obviously, it's got some gold exposure there, and looking at the technicals. So obviously, I'd try and marry up the fundamentals and the technicals. The chart looked right. I knew there was a, a, an update coming out today. I was hoping it would uh, it would be pretty good. I think it was pretty good, actually. I think in in pretty much uh, all cases they um, they improved uh, their outlook. So that's uh, that's a positive, and uh, it's it seems to be doing pretty well at the moment. So yeah, um, okay. You know, I'm, I'm obviously happy to buy it yesterday. I'm I'm just as happy to buy it today. Okay, Gaurav, do you follow Osmond Ross? For a number of years, and I must say, we've got this wrong over a long period of time. Um, when they first found Prominent Hill, I thought it, they were a tiny business. This was their first establishment mine, and it was a very complex project. Prominent Hill is what's known as an IOCG project, which means it's a, it, the, the, it, the ore contains a whole lot of different minerals, um, and it's uh -huh. very deep, and it's very large. Right. It requires a lot of technical nows to actually get it. Um, BHP, for example, runs a couple of IOCG projects, and, and usually companies of that scale tend to play in this in this space. And, yeah. and I thought this little business is, might have a bit of difficulty um, getting a mine of this size up and going. And, and they've done a splendid job with right. Prominent Hill. They've run it superbly. And um, what I liked even more was um, as that mine was getting towards its end, they had a huge pile of cash, and they spent it very thoughtfully. They looked around the world and then they bought a little project called Carapatina, um, which is a development project. And, and a lot of analysts at the time were scratching their heads thinking, why did they do that? But yeah. it was actually a great demonstration yeah. of long-term thinking. Carapatina is a, back then was a, was a large, um, complicated project that needed a lot of work. And they've spent about a decade working on it 
and it's now ready for production. I think it's going to come online quite shortly. And when it does, yeah. the cash flow profile looks quite attractive. So I think this is actually a business that's demonstrated both operational nows yeah. and um, and good capital allocation. And that's rare in, so in the So good management. I think so. That you'd have to give it to them. They've yeah. they've technically they've operated things really well, and they've managed their cash flows and capital expenditure really well. Okay. Uh, that combination in a miner is rare and it's and it's powerful. I, I would okay. actually back these guys. The, the new project mm. looks um, terrific, actually. Okay. And All I'm right. not convinced it's completely priced into the share price. I, I know it's had a big run up. Right. But it can potentially um, get a Do lot larger. A bit better. Okay. All right. So. Uh, um, Carl, that would have been embarrassing if Gore had gone. Jeez, this is a dog. <laughs> no, look, uh, look, I'm a little, little relieved, yes, but no, look, operationally they're doing very well. They've done very well for the last few years. Um, you know, it, it, look, to a large extent, it is also about uh, commodity prices as well. So you need to have an yep. opinion on the gold price. You need to have an opinion on the copper price, and I'm quite bullish on on, on both of those. And and look, I think the gold um, topic has been covered very well by other. Um, Panelists in the past, I won't go over the reasons for that. Uh, but copper is uh, is starting to look very, very uh, strong as well from a technical perspective, uh, and and I think the fundamentals are still still strong there as well as okay. you know we put we come out of this crisis. All right, uh, that's Oz Minerals. Let's uh, take a look at your stocks that you want us to look at today. And Gaurav, uh, Stephen wants a view on Brickworks, uh, mm. as the name suggests. It makes bricks and mm. building materials and 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 quarries, but it's it's a lot more than that, isn't it? It's mm. building materials. They go into land development when they um, sort of recycle the the empty quarries into um, into property development, and also they're a bit of an investment company too. That's right. Um, this is an old favourite, David. We've discussed this yes. a few times before. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've had a buy on this for years. We've had it in our portfolios on and off over the years. Um, it's a superbly managed business. It's much better quality than it initially appears. We usually think of um, brick makers in particular, but, but um, building materials businesses generally as being low quality. But as you say, there's much more to this business than, than it appears. Um, so the, the building materials segment is actually the smallest part of the business. The largest part is the investment they have in, in Solpats, and, and that's been true for a long time. But in between, this, this, um, this property business is actually growing quite quickly. And um, there's a huge runway for further growth. So as you say, as, as quarries get mined out, um, they redevelop the land. In, um, they have a joint venture um, with Goodman Group. Mm. And so they provide the land. Which are one of the best. Probably the in best. Their sector. Yep. yep, they know exactly what they're doing. Um, Goodman provides the services on top of the land, and then they, they share the asset 50-50. Yep. And that provides an ongoing stream of rental income, which is growing um, steadily over the years. And it also provides development profits as the um, land gets changed from sort of an empty quarry into a, a big shed. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of um, property profits running yeah. through the, the system here. Yeah. Um, they went off into the US last year, which we were a little bit concerned about. But taking a closer look at the American assets, they bought a business called Glengarry. <laughs> now, Glengarry, I think he's the fourth largest brick maker in the US. Um, the US market is heavily fragmented. We only have two brickmakers in Australia, but in the US they have something like 60 or 80. Wow. Um, this one tends to specialise in architectural bricks and a lot of their work, in fact the majority of their revenue, comes from replacing um, specialised mm -hmm. bricks in old buildings. 
So the Chrysler mm. building, ah. um, every time it needs to get oh, yes, refurbished, yeah. you have to provide the same kind of bricks that was on it originally. Wow. And, and Glengarry specialises in that sort of right. work. Um, so it's actually a reasonably good business. I, I think this is still mildly underpriced, um, right. but I think the market is much better now recognising the value of brickworks yeah. compared to six or seven years ago when okay. we first started recommending it. So still a good buy? <coughs> Look, I think it's good. a reasonable buy. For a conservative investor, right. there's better opportunities, but for the right. conservative investor, this is still reasonable. Okay, all right. Um, and as you've explained before, um, um, when Brickworks first develops a quarry, it's on the outskirts That's right. sort of semi-rural of uh, a city, and yep. by the time it's exhausted, it's become part of a suburb. And the um, land value has been transformed. Yeah, yes, that's right. huge. Epping mm -hmm. is a classic case. That's right. Um, yeah. Which I used to drive by in the early days of Channel 7 out there all the time. It's massive brickworks. Now it's a really nice little suburb. And the Olympic site in Homebush was an old brickworks quarry yeah. as well. And that got um, redeveloped. That's incredibly oh, valuable go. now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Carl, what do you think of brickworks? Yeah, look, I, I like it. Um, you know, I, I probably can't add too much to what Gaurav has said on the fundamentals. Uh, look, the, he's right to say that um, property is a big part of it. It's actually the biggest contributor to, to overall earnings, but the biggest uh, swing factor is probably their building products division. So uh, by that I mean, um, whilst it's not the biggest contributor, it, it tends to be the most volatile. Um, and, and then at the marginal level, that's that's where you're getting your, your, your growth from. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, you know, um, that's the difficult part of it. Uh, where where are we going to be in 12 months' time, in relation to um, you know COVID impact, uh, building activity, etc.? I, I think we're going to be better off. I think also that's going, that's already been factored a little bit into the price over the last uh, three months. So we, we've had a buy on this one for about three months, in fact, um, kind of anticipating uh, the impact of that stimulus stimulus coming through. It's done pretty well since then, um, and, and I guess you know you know the, the question for me that I'm the question that I'm grappling with is, is where to from now. So, look, I, I think the trend is still very much intact. I think um, those tailwinds should support that that swing part of the business. Um, I like the fact that they do have um, exposure in the US and, and that is also performing very, very well. Um, I can't see the property side of things within a low interest rate environment um, uh, taking any major downturn in the near term. So, look, I think largely supportive. Um, I'm happy to back the trend at this point in time. Uh, certainly, if, if uh, for clients who are, who are in um, from that earlier buy, I'd, I'd be happy for them to hold. Um, if you're if you're looking uh, for something to buy at this point, it, it has pulled back um, over the last couple of days, which I think does give you an opportunity to enter. But I'd be waiting um, just for a little bit of an uptick in price, and then once that momentum has turned back to the upside in the short term, um, following following that okay. into the market. All right. So, so you're saying yes. <laughs> Uh, well, we're, we're, uh, the we're, only we're reason already, I was we're, being we're, a bit, bit pedantic we're, we're, is that it's already we're in already the a, portfolio. We're, we're already a yes. So, look, right, um, okay. so, so we're already yes on it. Um, I, I'm saying for the people who are in it, you would certainly hold. Um, but, but because I'm a, I'm a market timer, right. um, because I'm a te technical analyst, uh, I'm, I'm less just yes in general. So I, right. I do want to see that short-term momentum swing back to the positive. Sure. Um, the old saying, you know, don't catch the falling knife. So we're having a few down days. Once we see see that um, revert, uh, the, the broader long-term trend revert, then I'm happy to follow it back in. Okay. So I'm happy for you to, to call it a yes. We're, we're okay. on the basis that we're already a yes. Okay. Um, Joel now uh, has uh, asked us for a look, uh, Carl, on Champion Iron. Now, this is a, 
a nine development and exploration company with its uh, major assets in Canada, um, uh, near Quebec. What do you think of Champion Iron? Yeah, it's a little bit like the Canadian Fortescue. Um, it, it's, yeah, look, it's an interesting one. It's, it's one we've also had a buy on um, for, for a few months. So I put it back in the, um, I put a buy note out on it on the 21st of July. Um, it hasn't done a whole lot since then, as you can see in the chart that just pop up, popped up on the screen. It's been relatively steady. Uh, from a technical perspective, that's that's actually not a bad thing. Uh, it, it's a good thing that it's consolidating those uh, gains out of that, those COVID lows. Um, we're getting closer to the top end of the range and the bottom of the range. That indicates that, that demand is potentially building. If we can break through the top end of the range, I think that's your next entry point. So, you know, we're already yes on this one. I'm certainly happy to hold it. I think if we could break through the top end of the range, um, you'd be... Uh, uh, looking to get into it, uh, it really is um, because it's a it's a one trick pony. Iron ore is all they do, similar to Fortescue. You need to have also have a view on the iron ore price. So, um, I think iron ore prices will be supported. I'm not sure I see as much upside in iron ore as I do in some of the other um, industrial metals, but I certainly don't see a lot of downside. And the good news there is at these prices, um, you know these guys are cash cows. They're they're, they're not as low a cost producer as a BHP or Rio, um, but you know they're still making a lot of money uh, around around the current price uh, for okay. iron ore. So happy to, to stick with this one, yeah. Gee, Canada's Fortescue. Well, everyone goes what? <laughs> Hundred bucks? Uh, um, wouldn't, on, what wouldn't quite go that far. Um, <laughs> this is a well-managed business, and they yep. have done an extraordinary job of developing a modest um, um, little deposit. But there is further exploration upside here. Um, right. And iron ore is not like, um, say, gold, where it, it's, it's very difficult to um, in, interpret uh, drilling results and understand what you have under the ground. Iron ore is largely a continuous geological yeah. structure, and it's quite easy to see what you, what you have. So yeah. uh, I think there's the probability of actually increasing reserves here is quite large. Um, the cost structure is high. Right. Uh, one thing to understand about iron ore is that it's not actually a mining business, it's a logistics business. Mm. All the costs and all the risks of um, in the iron ore business have little to do with mining and everything to do with moving material around. Mm. Okay. Um, so the reason Fortescue is so successful, not because it has the best dirt, it actually has lousy dirt, it's a, it's a lousy deposit. But they have um, built world-class infrastructure and world-class blending facilities to link subpar um, resources together uh, and blend them into something saleable and then ah. ship them at a very competitive so price. So it's like wine, it's, it's sort of blending maybe your cheap grapes with some expected ones to to just lift the overall and, and they do it for $13 a tonne. That's right, yes, something. yes. Um, these guys are about $40 oh, um, okay. and that's, that's, that's American, that, that's a big yep. difference and that's only cash costs. On top of that you've got your shipping charges and other things and right. The margin here is definitely a lot slimmer. I think of this as a call option on the iron ore price. Right. If iron ore prices stay up here, then um, you're looking at wonderful free cash flows. Yeah. Uh, my own view is that iron ore prices are going to fall. Right. I, I, I think that's a near certainty. Um, yeah. The Brazilians are now, um, are now almost back online and there's going to be a lot more iron ore production coming out of Brazil over the next year or two. Yeah. And that will surely um, lower iron ore prices. The cost curve in iron ore is maybe the flattest cost curve in the entire resources industry, which means that you only have to be marginally more expensive um, than your 
than your big competitors to really be squeezed out of the market. Right. Okay. And that's exactly what these guys said here. So okay. at, at $40 to $50 a tonne, when iron ore is um, sort of 100 bucks, it sounds great. But in fact, these, are, these guys are in the top quartile of costs in the industry. Uh, um, and that could be a problem in a okay. lower price environment. So, so sell note, for me. A note for you, right. Yeah. Um, uh, Shibnit wants a uh, view on Macmillan Shakespeare, uh, Gorad. They're the big salary packaging leasing business, uh, really big, um, throughout Australia, New Zealand and the UK. They uh, salary package for uh, federal government, mm -hmm. sort of um, public servants, hospitals, not-for-profit, the whole lot. This is a, an above-average business, um, but it comes with a whole lot of uh, tail risks as well. I think about this a bit like a reverse lottery. Um, every year you, um, you, know, you, you collect your, your, your sub 10% you know, or just under 10% return. Um, you get paid dividends with regularity. It's managed quite well yeah. um, and it has all the appearance of stability until it doesn't. <laughs> and that's where the lottery component comes in. Yeah. Um, you know, if you win the lottery, you get a huge, you, know, you outlay a little bit for a chance of winning something big. Here, you actually receive incremental gains with the small chance of actually a big blow up. And right. that blow up depends on regulatory risk, which means, right. uh, you know, you might look at this and think the PE looks low. It will always trade on a low PE because right. of the- Because of that risk. Because, because of that governments risk. can change tax issues or exactly. whatever. Having right. said that, look, it's, it's an okay business. I think the, the odds of that happening are very low. Um, you should get a reasonable dividend out of this. For conservative investors, this probably makes some sense. Yeah. Um, for me, though, I would rather buy Smart Group just for the superior management. I think Smart Group right. is a more agile business and they've shown themselves to have a lot more mm. hustle um, in an industry where you require a bit of smarts to navigate yeah. um, a whole lot of different regulations. Okay. Um, so this is um, a hold for me. Um, yeah. Smart Group, I'd probably prefer is going a into. Yeah. Okay. Carl, what do you think of Macmillan Shakespeare? Uh, look, it's not. Uh what I'd, I'd typically sort of gravitate towards uh, decent growth in revenues over the past four or five years, but um, you know, profit growth is, has been a bit lumpy. So that tells me that management's ability to you know extract profits out of those increasing revenues is uh, is somewhat questionable. Uh, there's there's a big impact from COVID here. Um, you know, they obviously given in terms of what they do, they've added leases. Um, you know. Fewer people are traveling for work, you know, more working from home, less need to buy uh, company cars and the like. Um, so you need to really say, well, that, that's going to back out uh, and, and go back to normal, but potentially there's some structural changes there where people may not uh, be on the road as much as, as much as they were in the past simply because we're, we're using, you know, electronic means to, to meet and communicate. Um, so I don't think, I don't think that's a, a great, um, you know, forward-looking, uh, well, I don't think it's, it's got a great, uh, it's going to be a great driver for growth going going forward. I think there's some, some risk there. It, it certainly looks cheap. If you look, just look at it on the basis of its uh, PE, it's about 10. Uh, its dividend yields uh, before COVID was about 6%. They pulled their, their final dividend, so that's in question as well. Um, I, I'm not seeing a lot of reasons to buy it, and I think that's reflected in the charts. The charts on screen, we've seen a big drop. It's, uh, you know, we, we've seen some great recoveries across a number of sectors across the Australian market, and this one hasn't. So it's, it's telling you that the market is not pricing in a great future here. 
Um, you know, can, can, I, I know Afterpay is a completely different story, but just, just thematically, you look at how that's responded post-crisis and, 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 and the growth and, and, you know, the consistency of growth uh, expectations across, across um, the market compared to this. So there's something wrong here. There's a disconnect and there's a reason for it. So uh, I can't buy it. Okay. All right. Um, there you go, Shibnit. Uh, good analysis there on Macmillan's Shakespeare. Um, Carl Cameron wants a view on Aussie broadband, only listed, what, in the last couple of days? <laughs> Has it last week or so? Victorian-based internet service provider raised $190 million um, and uh, um, actually was pretty well oversubscribed. Yeah, no, look, amazing um, entry to the ASX. Certainly came on with a bang about double the uh, IPO price. We talked at the start of today's show about some of that um, excitement, exuberance uh, coming into the you know, sort of uh, the, this end of the market. I think that's what we're, what we're seeing here. It's an interesting story. Certainly, it's growing uh, very quickly. There's not a lot of data to look at in terms of the fundamentals, simply because it's only just listed. So we've got um, FY19. Uh, results that you can look at and then just what's in the prospectus so that they're showing FY20 and then predictions for FY21. Uh, even if they hit on FY21, you, 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 well, you can't really get a, a PE, but if you look at, um, you know, the, the, the EBITDA, uh, enterprise EV to EBITDA, it, it's still looking crazily priced uh, at the current levels. Um, so if, if I can't make the connection on the fundamental side, I, I then go to the chart and unfortunately, there is no chart because it's only four, yeah. four, four or five days old. So I can't give you anything um, more than uh, more, you know, more insightful, unfortunately. So just on the basis of what I've what I've read, what I've seen, uh, which is limited because it's only, uh, you know, we've got a prospectus and, and one financial year's worth of results. Uh, I can't buy it on that basis. Okay. Uh, Gora? Yeah, this caught our attention pre-IPO because IPOs yeah. mostly look exactly the same. Yeah. It's insiders pretending they're raising capital when all they're doing is selling their stake onto someone else right. with a huge information asymmetry. They know a lot about the business and they're selling you stock and you yeah. know very little about the business. They're that's wanting what, to, to cash in, if you like. To cash yep. in, yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. This, no. That's a completely legitimate um, mean, uh, transaction and yep. often IPOs grow, go on to do very well. This is a very unusual IPO in that no insider sold a single stock. Um, this was a genuine capital raising and it was done for a very specific purpose. So Aussie Broadband, just to take a, take a step back, is a reseller of um, NBN. It's, it's a broadband provider. Yeah. And like all broadband providers now, they have to um, buy capacity from the NBN and then they, they provide that onto their customers. To get access to the NBN, they have to make agreements with lots of um, uh, fibre providers. Their main provider is Vercus. They make agreements with Vercus to jump on their NBN, um, their, their, their fiber network and get access to the NBN. Yeah. So they raised money now to actually create their own fiber network um, mm -hmm. to join the NBN. And okay. that has huge benefits. Right. If you, once you do that, you automatically scale. Um, so previously, about 75% of revenue actually went straight to cable providers and to NBN, and they only kept 25%. That the economics of the business completely transforms once mm -hmm. you own your own infrastructure. So that's, that's a huge positive, but it also changes what you can do in terms of customer service. You can control um, the, uh, the bandwidth and the load a lot better if, if you own your own infrastructure. Right. And the whole customer proposition of Aussie Broadband is to have superior customer service. 
This is not TPG. They don't sell cheap plans. Ah. Um, they sell high-end expensive plans, but they have the best satisfaction rating anywhere in the industry. From all our research, so they sell to corporates and things like that. They actually sell right. to they actually sell to retail customers, ah. but heavy use retail customers. Ah, okay. So people who use a um, um, hundred that top tier plan, that hundred um, uh, bips plan, yep. that's the majority of, of their um, yeah. of their sales. Their ARPU is average revenue per user is higher than anyone else in the industry. Oh, that's um, interesting. They are doing something right in this business to attract so much, so mm. many customers with a tiny budget. Um, there are 190 different suppliers of NBN um, in Australia. All of them sell exactly the same product, and somehow this is the fastest growing one of them. Um, they're the fifth biggest one in Australia. There is something going on here. There's a little oh, bit of magic happening okay. here. And, um, so we, did you get in on the IPO? We tried to. couldn't get any oh, stock. Okay. Even though we're, we were, um, were actually uh, clients of the broker, we still couldn't get any stock. Right. Oh. Um, the customers. Sure. Was it? Yes, yeah, that's sure right. Yeah, yep. um, customers um, uh, love this. They actually set aside about a quarter of the stock for customers to apply for, and apparently within ninety minutes, the whole allocation was filled out. There is something magical, David, when yep. customers love a business. Yeah. Um, the valuation metrics look silly, but I would ignore those for the moment, right. because the business is going to look very different in a few years' time. Yep. Um, they've also every part of the business that they touch has actually been. Um, uh, they've used internally developed software, so their billing and customer um, management systems are all used, are all internally developed software. The way they handle bandwidth on the NBN, internally developed software, and they've actually built now an enterprise portal to, to make sales to large enterprises. That could be huge. What a smart business. I think this is superbly run. Um, yeah. It looks, I, I'm going to put a spec buy on it because the price looks a bit silly, but you're not yeah. buying for what it is today. You're buying yeah. for what it could be in okay. the future. And I think so, the, the odds here are actually quite good. So success. speculative buy. Yes. Yep. If okay. you can get stock, goodness me, it's, yeah. it's hard at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look um, uh, very liquid at the moment. Mm. Uh, Bernie uh, Gorab wants a view on uh, Infratil. Uh, mm. New Zealand based company, basically an infrastructure business. Is that this is a good story? investment business. This is a yeah. great story for Ausbiz because um, I was on the show a few months ago and a, um, a viewer called in about Infratil, and at the yeah. time I'd never heard of it right. and didn't know it was listed. And I thought, oh, that looks interesting. And we went back and had a look at it, and we've sub subsequently put a buy on it, added it to our portfolios. Wow. Um, and all because of, um, of some, of, of a viewer who, <laughs> of who a mentioned viewer it. Who yeah. Viewer. So, oh, that's um, fantastic. So, so thank you. That, that, that's been wonderful. Yep. This is a great business. I, I, I really like Infratil, and I think it flies completely under the radar. It's a New Zealand based investor in infrastructure assets. Right. And, um, they actively manage the assets, so they, it, it's not a business that holds onto assets and just sits on them. They actually yep. actively um, work on their assets and monetize them over mm. a period of years. So it's a, okay. I think of it a bit like a private equity firm. Right. Um, and they've had a terrific track record over 26 years. Um, they've uh, delivered 16.5% per year, uh, which is an astounding return. Yes. And their current asset, asset base looks particularly interesting. So they right. own... 50% of Canberra data centers, which is the largest data Canberra center Canberra data centers here? Yes, that's oh, right, yeah. Okay. And the growth, I, I think just Canberra data centers is worth probably the current share price, um, mm. if the, the growth in that business comes right. to fruition over yeah, the next yeah. two or three years. Yeah. Um, they also own two thirds of, um, of um, Wellington Airport. Right. Um, there's a renewable business called Tilt Renewables, they own a big chunk of that. 
there are some good quality assets here. Um, management has a great track record. And I think potentially, this is currently trading at about $5. Um, I think it's potentially worth 9 or $10 in a few years' time. Wow. Um, so this is, um, I, I think, a very interesting proposition. And, and, a, and, and a, as you say, it's an infrastructure business, so that can be part of someone's core portfolio that you're looking at for that foundation of it. Yeah. Worthwhile. That, that's, that's an important part, yeah. yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's gone up a little bit since we first recommended it, so it was a lot cheaper when we first yeah. bought it, or I should say when the viewer first yeah, brought yeah. it to our attention. <laughs> yeah. But um, I still think there's enough here to warrant a buy. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, Carl? Yeah, look, I'm pretty similar on that one. Um, they've got some really interesting assets. As Gaurav said, they, they're very actively managed. So they have uh, they take majority or, or pretty close to it stakes in those assets and therefore they can have some influence on, on how they're run. I agree that um, Canberra Data Centres is, is, is the big one as well. Um, the, the valuation I don't think is all that challenging. It's pretty reasonably priced at this, at this level. Um, and it's got a, a pretty good dividend yield as well. So I think um, there are some sort of pure infrastructure plays out there. Uh, til we actually, last time I was on the show, I think I had to talk about tilt renewables. Uh, and yeah. that was, you know, that's a that's a pure um, sort of a wind farm renewable energy play. But this one, I think, wraps in a few different areas uh, that are very interesting at the moment uh, within infra infrastructure. And I think that's, uh, that's a good thing. So if you're looking for, uh, you know, and I, I think you've got to have a part of your portfolio in that space. And if, if you're looking... Um, to fill that void, uh, then this this gives you a bit of diversification um, across a number of areas, uh, and 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 and, it's, and and those assets uh, will be well managed. Uh, okay. On the chart, it looks pretty. It looks pretty good. So the chart's backing up the fundamentals. Um, it's in a, in a pretty um, well-defined long-term uptrend. Short-term uptrend looks good. It's had a little bit of a rise over the last uh, few weeks, 450 into five, but I don't think that's stretching um, this rally too much. I don't think you have to chase this one. I, I think you'll get opportunities um, to get in. Um, so, you know, look, I'm happy to get in around here. It's around about $5, um, but you could even see it pull back into the 490s, 480s, and you definitely want to pick it up there. Okay, all right. Um, the so other thing quickly about yep. Infratil is that they own 50% of Vodafone New Zealand, and they just bought that with Brookfield. Brookfield mm. are some of the smartest asset managers going. and. Right. Um, I think they've got some interesting plans for that business. They've talked, they've sort of hinted that they're going to do something different to monetize that company. It's not just yeah. going to be trying to run it better. Okay. I think there's a potential, um, they could potentially sell some of the towers or some of the, the fiber that um, backhaul. Ah, yeah. um, they could actually build a, a, um, a join forces with Spark, um, who's the other competitor yeah. there, yeah. And, and build a, um, a wholesale 5G network instead of okay. having a competed 5G network. Yeah. There's a lot of optionality mm. here. And that's what, as an investor, what you want is is you want lots of different ways to win. Yep, yep. And by the sound of it, you're describing a good management team like Aussie Broadband. And Very sharp. That's what drives these businesses, is it? Yep. Um, all right, let's check the uh, first five stocks plus uh, our stock of the day, which was Oz Minerals, a yes from both Gorab and Carl. Uh, Brickworks, which is already in the, uh, the calls portfolio, um, stays there. Uh, Gaurav saying for conservative investors, maybe better opportunities elsewhere, but has always delivered. Uh, Champion Iron, a, uh, a yes from uh, Carl, a no from Gaurav. Uh, Macmillan Shakespeare, a no from Carl, um, a hold from Gaurav. He prefers Smart Group, which is a competitor of Macmillan Shakespeare, reckons it's better run. Uh, Aussie Broadband, a speculative buy from uh, from Gaurav and from Carl and both like Infratil. 
And uh, don't forget if you um, if you um, any of the um, call any stock that gets two ticks um, actually goes into the calls portfolio. So uh, let's uh, take a look at how that portfolio is going. Uh, the last week it's up 0.6% uh, for the month of October. It's up uh, just over 8% and since the 1st of July, 18.6%. Uh, and uh, if you want bad, to is it? If you want to see, <laughs> see the stocks, it's extraordinary. You can go to slash portfolio. Uh, recent stocks to uh, be added to the portfolio Ordinate, Hanson Technologies, Rio, uh, Navigator Global Investments, Mincor, Ancor, Cleanaway, and um, Macquarie Telecom were taken out. Nikki wants a view on Net Wealth, uh, another technology company, but is, is a superannuation and investment platform which uh, administers your portfolio. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Net Wealth? Uh, Net Wealth, it, look, it's it's an amazing uh, business. It's it's got a, a great product or range of products, I should say. Um, a very a very strong growth profile, very consistently strong growth profile, and clearly that's reflected in the share price. So it's it's one of those bottom left, top right jobs, uh, which is typically what I like to see. Uh, it's one I, I wish I could say that we had a buy rating on. Um, we we haven't, and and not simply because I haven't liked it. I just I just haven't seen it pull back to a level where I've been able to get into it. So it's one of those, you rue, you, you missed it. And then I have to deal with this question now, which is, you know, I'm, I'm sure um, uh, Nikki is wondering, do, do, do I buy it now? But look, Nikki, if you've, if you've got the stock, everything that I can see in the technicals would suggest that you would hang on to it. There's nothing here telling me that this um, amazing uptrend is going to end anytime soon, okay? Uh, if you don't have the stock, I, I would I'd be more inclined to, to buy a pullback than to, to pay um, what I'm seeing at the moment. I, I just think in the very short term, there are some signs that we're, we're making some sort of um, short-term top here and we could see a pullback into sort of that 16, uh, 15, 50, 16 level. And then uh, I may well cover it as a, as a buy note um, uh, for clients. So uh, it looks very interesting, looks very prospective. The, 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 the business side of things, the fundamental side of things is I, I can't really fault it. It's just a matter of finding the right entry price into it. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add on this one, actually. Um, it's been a superb business, yep. but difficult to pick from the outside. There are several competitors in this space, and each of them look um, very expensive. They all seem to have a homogenous product. Um, when we talk to people inside the industry, net wealth is the one that everyone seems to like the best. Yep. And it's certainly garnered a lot lot more inflows than some of the peers. But um, the margins across this industry still look quite high to me. And I think there's room. There's enough competition um, to drive um, uh, right. the, the, the margins lower. But there's still a lot of money flowing to these platforms coming from um, the old platforms like AMP and, and, right. and okay. the like and IWF. Right. Those yeah. guys are honest. They've spent 20 years ripping people off. Yep. And I'm, I'm so glad to see businesses like this come around and offer a much better deal. This is disruption at its absolute best. Yep. Um, yep. And I, I would love to be a shareholder, just, <laughs> just to stick it into some of those big guys, if nothing else. <laughs> but the valuation makes it difficult. For me, right. this is a, a wonderful business. It, it's doing well for the long term. I, I, that's a hold at best. Yep. 
Yep. Um, if you're trying to get the highest possible returns, I think you can sell here and get and buy something okay. something else. All right, it's had to run. Mm. Uh, Kish wants a view, uh, Gorev, on Advanced Nanotech. Uh, says it's a manufacturer of aluminium oxide powder. Basically, it does the ingredients for sunscreen, uh, is the, the reason for the business. It's given an update recently and um, wasn't a great update because the travel restrictions mm. have meant that you haven't been able to travel and pack your sunscreen and buy the sunscreen. So <laughs> sunscreen sales yeah. are down and uh, their sales have suffered as a result. This is actually an interesting little technology. We had a, we had a look at, at this only a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. One of our analysts really likes this business. And there are a couple of other us, and I've kind of given away my position, who, who don't like it very much. Ah. Um, the bull case here is quite compelling. Um, traditional sunscreens have whole lots of chemicals in them, and they prevent the sun from damaging your skin because of um, chemical blocking the absorption right. of sun rays. Okay. Um, now, the World Health Organization has conducted studies and suggested that those chemicals are actually quite dangerous to you. Um, mm -hmm. if you use sunscreen excessively, right. which most people probably do, yep, and yep. they've advised us to. So this is an alternative. Um, this uses not chemicals, but uses a physical um, zinc oxide bond to keep the sun's yeah. rays out. Um, so it's a, it's a much better method of, of keeping the sun out, right. definitely healthier. Um, the problem is that they actually mm -hmm. sell, they don't own a brand. What they sell is, is the compound, the raw ingredient. So they sell the ingredients rather than the brand name. Exactly. And, okay. and I think the cream in this sector goes to the... Have you ever wondered why you pay 40 bucks for banana boat or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's where the margin is. It's right. not really in selling um, the tech inside. Right. I think that will be commoditized over time. Yeah. There are lots of other companies working on physical blocks, okay. and there's lots of ways to so do it. So they need a brand to come... They, they need to get the A2 milk people yes. involved in their business. Yes. <laughs> what I'd like to see from this business, if they if they developed a, a brand and used their... There needs a, a different revenue model. I, I'm right. not, and if it, if it developed a brand and could take more of the value share, then I'd be interested, because there's legitimately good technology. There's a, there's a guy, uh, the, the, the founder, not the founder, the guy in, in charge, CEO, owns... 50%, but geez, I would find him very antagonistic as well. Picks fights with, with the ASX oh. and with other oh, okay. shareholders, and that puts me off a little bit as well. Right. Um, but it's probably one to watch because with a bit of tweaking, there's a, there's a decent business there's here. A decent business. Yeah. Okay. Carl? Yeah, look, there's a very, very decent, decent business um, beneath everything Gaurav has spoken about there. So, um, no, they're, they're very strong uh, earnings growth uh, over the last few years. It's a, it is a great product and, you know, there's a growing market for it. They also uh, do aluminium uh, oxide for cosmetics as well. So, you know, I guess the impact of COVID is, number one, we're not necessarily going outside as much. Uh, number two, we're probably not putting on our makeup, Koshi, and uh, yeah. going out for a night in the town as much. Uh, and number three, a lot of the, uh, as Gaurav says, they're, they're producing the raw material uh, and then you've got the manufacturers that, that produce the consumer-facing products. So a lot of those manufacturers have switched from producing sun cream to producing hand sanitizer, right. and that's another big problem for them as well. But that's all reflected. I think that's all reflected in the share price. So um, it, it, I think the, on just on the basis of the growth and the opportunity alone, I think it is a speculative buy. So this is not, um, you know, the big cornerstone holding in your portfolio. It's it's a smaller, more speculative allocation that you're going to put to it. Uh, it, it is it is even more speculative on the basis that um, the longer term trends are still down and we're just seeing a, a new short term trend beginning. So getting very technical here. Uh, but the move in October, I think, is impressive. And I think it's indicative 
of some money coming back into this stock and trying to pick that bottom and trying to find the turnaround point. So I think you can follow them in at this this point. Highly speculative, but I, I think you can can buy here. Yes. Yep. Okay. Doesn't look very liquid either. So be no. be aware of that. Um, John uh, Carr wants a view on Janus and Education Group. They're an online learning and digital assessment um, technology platform. Basically, allows schools to do their exams online. And uh, has it had a pretty good trading update? Yeah, not, not too bad. Um, so, so decent growth continuing to come through. There are obviously some uh, issues in Melbourne, for example, where you know students potentially won't be able to sit exams and things like that. Uh, I'm not in Melbourne, so I don't know the, the full situation there, uh, but I'm just going on, on what their update suggested. Uh, but you know, outside of that, there is going to be this just general shift towards um, you know e-learning e and electronic assessments, which is the other big thing they do. Uh, just from the business perspective, look, it is it's cash flow positive, um, some, some some decent cash coming um, through the business operationally. They've got cash in the bank. Um, there's growth in earnings. It doesn't look terrible. It's uh, it's not particularly cheap though at these levels. Um, I would suggest, uh, and there's not a lot of action in the share price either. So um, the, the fundamentals look pretty sound, but when I try and marry those to the technicals, I'm not seeing a lot of follow through. So the share price, as we can see, uh, is is basically flat um, yeah. for the last three years. Uh, it's very sketchy, very illiquid. There's not a not a, a huge free float on this, so it's it's very tightly head and held, and there's not many shares around to to trade in, and that's also reflected in that chart. Uh, and on that basis, I just think that elevates the risks as well. So the, the risk is you get in and, and it's hard to get out. Um, it, it's, it's sketchy, it's illiquid, uh, you get erratic moves. So uh, I, I wish it was different. I wish that the share price was bottom left, top right. It isn't, so it's a pass from me. Yeah. Gore? Jennison. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not certainly not a chartist, quite the opposite, actually. Yeah. Um, but I do think prices convey information. And it's worthwhile thinking about the information that prices tell you. And what's interesting about Janison is that it's a, it is a software business. It's, it administers um, tests um, on a large scale all around the world. Their clients include the government of Singapore does their tests. The OECD does, um, does tests using their software. Yeah. It's worth thinking about. I mean, we're living through, we talked about at the beginning, a colossal software boom. Um, people are falling out of planes trying to find software businesses. We're, we're getting um, individuals <laughs> trawling through every business yeah. looking for software stocks. It's interesting that this one, um, even pre-COVID, um, didn't really move. I, I wonder what that tells you. Um, you know, if you're in a roaring bull market yeah. and there's a stock that isn't moving, I think the wrong conclusion to draw is, oh, I found something cheap. Yeah. I think the correct yeah, conclusion yeah. is that I've found a hidden gem here that everyone's overlooked. <laughs> everyone's missed it except me. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a mistake, and I've learned that from experience. Right, um, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'd be, I, I'd want to look at this. I don't know this business at all. Um, yeah. I, I'd want to take a very good look at this. Look, it, it, it ticks a lot of boxes. Insiders own forty percent. The yeah. the customer list is very impressive. Um, the business model looks robust. But the fact that in the middle of a giant software boom, no one wants to buy it. When, when yeah. everyone's looking so closely for yep. bargains, yep. Every, they, every, they've avoided this. Every stone is being unturned. Yeah. I, it, it, it 
it's suspicious, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So right. I, I just want to take Dave. a very close look at before I do okay. anything with this one. Yes, Carl. David, if I, if I can add, look, there, there are so many competitors in the space, and maybe that's you know going to shed some light on right. on this disconnect. Yeah. Um, there, there, uh, I recently did a, a uni a online uni course, and um, it was in the middle of uh, COVID. I did a, a unit, a computer science unit, and uh, to do some programming. It's always been a hobby of mine, and uh, COVID hit, and then we had to do the uh, the exam online. Uh, and because I'm online, I had no choice. But then uh, the, the 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 physical students, the twenty-something-year-olds. Uh, you know, they were up in arms and they didn't want to do it online and the uni basically cancelled their uh, the existing arrangement and did provided something else. So, um, uh, number one, there are lots of competitors out there. Number two, uh, I'm, I'm not sure the students really want it and that's, you know, that's only one experience. Um, so, yeah, yeah, a small player in a, in a big market with lots of competitors mm. and okay. uh, I, see, I think we're seeing that in the share price. All right, there you go, John. Uh, appreciate the suggestion. All right, uh, Aroma Biosurgery, um, Richard wants a view on that. Uh, another one of our med tech companies uh, in the regeneration, um, improving the rate and quality of healing and in wounds and, and tissue reconstruction. Um, what do you think, Gloria? This is completely outside my territory, yeah. but fortunately we do have a science geek on the team. Oh, good. Um, yeah, and he's really into all this stuff and he knows yeah. the technicals um, quite well, actually. He's, yeah. he's, um, he's got a science background and he's, he's quite good at this stuff. Um, he's had a look at um, Avita. Um, he's looking at Polynova. That's Nova right, now. Avita and Polynova are the other two in this space. That's now, right. Like, um, yeah, yeah. And he did mention a little bit about this one to me. This is only recently Recent listed. So he hasn't yeah. had a close look at this, but he, did, he doesn't like Avita. Right. Um, and there's a whole host of reasons. We've actually written an article about this, so if you want to know the reasons, you can have oh, a look at that. Go to Intelligent Investor. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, he's looking at uh, um, advanced, no, no, what's it called? Uh, um, Polynova. Poly he's no, looking no, at Polynova yeah, yeah. now, um, so I, I'm, I won't preempt his view on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he did say that Aurora looks interesting. Um, oh. And he said that um, apparently they're, um, yeah, I think what he, he used a term, I think it's, um, they, they've got this. Um, uh, they've got little stilts that hold everything together while right. uh, the wounds heal. Oh. As I said, I'm not. It's not really my Polynova area. Polynova has the mesh, doesn't it, as well that holds it together. I'll take your so, word for yeah, it, David. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but he thinks that this looks interesting, um, right. and it's a lot cheaper than the others. It's right. too early to make a decision. It's quite sure. new, but it, I, I would put this on the watch list. I think okay. it's. I th well, he right. thinks it looks quite interesting. And, and I do think you, it helps to have some product knowledge or in-depth knowledge about this. Yeah. The classic mistake here would be to only look at the financials and not yeah. understand the hospital or the medical side of this business. Yeah. Um, financials are like looking in the rearview mirror. They don't. You can't yeah. make all your decisions just based on numbers. Yeah. Carl. Uh, look, I like it. Um, yeah, it's not like I agree. I'm I'm not a medical technologist, so I I can't say that. Uh, I'm an expert on the technology that they have, but you know, looking into this one again, I hadn't heard of it until today, so I, I've, I've only had 24 hours to look into it. But from what I've what I've read, and I've tried to read as much, consume as much as I can in that time, this one looks really interesting. They've got uh, it seems to be a, a very effective product. It's it, this is the best thing. It's really cheap to manufacture, and their margins are, are, are pretty impressive. So uh, they they're They've got customers all over the world, so it's not just a, you know they're operating here or it's a you know one environment sort of situation. Um, sales are growing; they're growing quickly. Um, they've just uh, pushed a huge amount of money into um, you know sales and marketing uh, 
um, mm. which, you know, but, you know, that took, took 90% out of their net profit for the last financial year. Um, so it's kind of telling you where that where the business thinks they're going to be headed if they've got that, that sort of confidence okay. in their product and where they are to do that. So um, I, I think, you know, it's kind of, I say that the rubber is hitting the road here. So there, there are indeed, there, you know, we, we've seen this, I've come on the show and there's so many of these little prospective, um, very interesting little companies, but they're in that R&D phase where, you know, their whole business is all about costs and not about um, cash flows. Um, this one, the R&D is done, the product exists, they're starting to sell it, it's selling well. Um, and, I, and I think this is probably mm. where you want to get into it. So it, okay. it's a really interesting for one for me. It's a, it's a speculative buy as well, similar to the last one, um, okay. but it looks highly prospective here. So I'm, I'm happy right. to buy this one. Okay. And we'll have to whip through this because we're running out of time, Carl. Uh, Maz wants a view on Lavisa, the, uh, the fashion jewellery chain. Yeah, look, I don't mind it. We do have a buy note out on it. It's one of our um, COVID reopening plays. Okay, so if okay. you think that we're things are going to go back to normal, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, then I think Lavisa will be fine. Um, in the interest of keeping things brief, I'm happy to, 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 buy, to buy it here. You know, it was doing well pre-COVID. I can't see any reason why I can't continue to do well post-COVID, but it, it is really all about COVID right now. Okay. Go ahead, Lavisa. Yeah, I think this is the best retailer or the, the best economics of any retailer in Australia. Um, I, when I first had a look at this, I couldn't believe the numbers, actually. Yeah. I, I kind of yeah. thought it was maybe it was, a, it was a fake or something funny was going on. You have a, have a combination of very high inventory turnover combined with very high margin. Mm. Um, unusual. Most, mostly those things, you either have one or the other, you don't have both. Yep. Uh, and, that, and that gets together to, com to generate enormous returns on capital. Huge growth profile. I think the valuation is okay for um, long-term investors. It's right. gone up a long way now, and there yep. are still some risks about reopening. Yep. But for the long term, this still looks fine okay. to me. We, we own it, um, I should say, and I own it personally. I think it's an outstanding okay. business. Of course. My, 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 my daughter in is yep. the chairman, yeah, yep. and the substantial owner, yes. Yep. Sorry, Carl. I can say my, my daughter loves it, her friends loves it. Because it's, it's, you're not spending a lot when you go in there, so mm. it'll be offered, yeah. hey, you know, Antonia, let's just go, let's just go to La Visa and let's just buy something, you know, and yeah. she's happy and I'm happy and, yeah. and all's good. So yeah, I like Excellent. it. Excellent. All right, let's uh, check the, uh, the final five stocks. Net Worlds, first of all, a hold from Gorab. Um, same from Carl, if it gets down to 16 bucks, well, uh, Carl will be looking at buying it. Uh, Advanced Nanotech, a no from Gaurav. Carl sees it as a speculative buyer. Uh, no from both on Janice and Education. Aroa, um, really interesting. Um, certainly, Gaurav's going to be watching it. Um, Carl's had a quick look at it and finds it interesting and uh, sees it as a speculative buyer. LaVisa, uh, a yes, fully priced at the moment uh, for long-term investors. Uh, Gaurav sort of pretty um, uh, good reflections on it, the best run retailer uh, in the sector, so. The best economics of a new right. retailer. Yeah. yeah, best economics. Mm. All right, Gaurav, good to see you. Now, you're back for the last call tomorrow night. So I am. We'll, we'll see you for a drink, which is great. Sounds good. And uh, Carl from uh, Thick Markets, you're coming up very shortly, <laughs> um, I think, as, uh, as the team look at the um, uh, the straw man classic the uh, the fantasy investing uh, competition we're running at the moment so we'll catch you after one o'clock good to see you yeah
Absolutely. I'm into 132nd, but I, but my star's rising, David, so okay. I'll be there at the end. Don't worry. <laughs> Good on you, mate. All right, if you'd like to suggest any stocks that uh, you'd like looked at, email the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the Ausbiz TV handle. And uh, if you want to see the calls portfolio, uh, go to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Um, and just a programming note for you, a new report from... Uh, EY finds the Aussie fintech sector has maintained momentum despite the COVID-19 headwinds. Meredith Anglin, a partner at EY, is coming on the Startup Daily Show 2.30 this afternoon if you're into fintechs. That's it for us. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. A lot happening on Ausbiz. Don't go away. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.